Hey, this is Scott. Our next episode will begin in a little bit, but first, I wanted to say thanks. For what, you ask? Well, thanks for making this podcast possible by giving to the World Evangelism Fund. WEF funds the Church of the Nazarene's mission in 164 nations around the world, and it literally allows us to do all the exciting things you hear about on The Worthless Servants. So again, thanks. Now on to the episode. From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to The Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh, it's so great to be with you. I'm Scott Armstrong, and I have a bunch of worthless servants around this table with me. I'm going to start across from me is my lovely wife, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. And then my lovely friend. No, no, I, I don't think I'm going to say it, but he is my friend. A- <laughs> Thank you. AJ Fry. Even paying attention. Hi, guys. He doesn't consider himself lovely. <laughs> You're so lovely. I've never been described as lovely. That's a new one. Not Thanks. even by Chelsea. Thanks, Scott. No. <laughs> then to my left, and we're just going to not use any adjectives. <laughs> Natalie Fra- Franco. Hi, guys. <laughs> and I almost said Natalie Fry. Hey. <laughs> Welcome no, to the family. <laughs> <laughs> and to our right, you've already heard her laugh and maybe a few comments. Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Hi, guys. Fun fact. This one's for Emily. The hundred folds in a chef's hat represent what? There oh, it's are a, a it's hundred a trivia questions. No, a hundred ways to cook an egg. What? Oh, oh, I knew there were a hundred ways to cook an egg. Bon Appetit has a really funny article on that if you want to know all the ways to cook an egg. Chelsea knew this was going to be... In- but I didn't know a chef hat like had to do with... Had a hundred folds in it? Yeah, so an official yeah. chef's hat has a hundred folds in it. Wow. For eggs. Like tall chef's hat. I don't know if I believe it has a wow. hundred <laughs> I have a picture. That doesn't look like a hundred folds. That it's, looks like, like 14. <laughs> all those who are listening, of course, because this is not a visual medium... Look uh, at my are picture. Wondering, are <laughs> wondering what the, the picture. microphone literally. <laughs> oh my. She showed it to the microphone. That was awesome. Well, we saw it over on this side, didn't we, Natalie? <laughs> Natalie well, wasn't paying attention. Yeah, not, Natalie <laughs> didn't see anything. Natalie tapped out a while yeah, ago. Exactly. It's because she didn't get any adjectives. Yeah, that's why. Hey, that's true. Yeah. She, well, look at the death stare. Okay. <laughs> Well, no easy way to segue, uh, but we are going to talk about something that I think is kind of important and something that our denomination has been uh, doing and thinking about recently. Um, <laughs> news flash, we have been in a pandemic for quite a while. What? Yes, exactly. And, uh, and so I think something awesome that our denomination does as the Church of the Nazarene is they have something called Nazarene Research Services. And they will just start to, you know, investigate what are the effects of certain happenings around the globe or whatever on our churches. One significant thing that the general superintendents desired to do was investigate how is COVID-19, how is the pandemic affecting our churches and specifically our pastors? So let let me kind of set this up a little bit. As a denomination, the Church of Nazarene wanted to know the specific effects of the pandemic on the lives and the ministries of churches and pastors. So research services 
decided to send out a global survey to Nazarene pastors. And recently we became aware of the results. And so today we're not going to read you all of the results, but we have all read this. I've written an article uh, that you can find in the show notes as well. And a kind of a, kind of a summary. So, so you don't, so that you don't have to read the entire report. It's there if you would like it though. And, and so, yeah, let's kind of dive in. Uh, first of all, I think it was really good that our church did this and it ended up being uh, responded to. The survey was responded to by about 10% of all of our pastors that could have responded to this. It was sent out in 10 languages, but really the results ended up coming back in three main languages. And I think that's important, English, Spanish, and Portuguese. So uh, just take a note of that. That doesn't mean that every congregation in the world speaks those languages, but that's mainly the findings here. So what jumped out to you guys? Where should we begin? I think not even one of the statistics, but hearing you say it again, and I had read the article and things like that, but I was just thinking how great it is to be a part of a denomination that is big enough that we have a research arm of it, right? Like I think about some of the other denominations that um, that do that same thing, and we get a lot of health reports. I think about it in the way of um, one of the Genesis characteristics is evaluation and make changes when necessary. And I think this type of report helps us to do that instead of being like, oh, it's been a really hard year and you're totally just basing it on one country or you're just basing it on one district even to be like, oh, well, the way this district is, is the way the whole world is functioning. It's like that. It, that's not fair and, and it's not accurate. It would never be accurate. So I think it's amazing that the Nazarene denomination is big enough now that they would say we have so much data that we are able to become a healthier church church by collecting it and like, let's act on it. Let's do something. And, and so I hope that this report, even through this podcast of distilling it through the way that we've read it would serve to be something that we want to act on in order to either make some changes or, um, or make things better or, or keep things exactly the same. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome to be a part of a huge global denomination that really cares about pastors and local congregations. You know, what about the specific findings? Did something jump out to one or all of you? I thought it was interesting. Uh, just like looking at the list of responses, I guess. I thought it was interesting that, and I kind of have a question about this too, because uh, majority of the churches, majority of the responses said that they struggled to adapt, which I can see that. Like in, in our personal life with the church here, there have been plenty that would probably say the same. I, that they've struggled to adapt. But then I keep reading down the list and then there's a majority that say they have identified and embraced new opportunities to serve. So I'm confused at kind of how, how can you say that you've struggled to adapt and then yet have found new opportunities to adapt? That, that just doesn't really compute in my mind. Like I, I feel with the people who say, yes, I've had struggle, I've, I've struggled to adapt. I'm one of those people too. But then on this, on the, like, it gives me hope to read that they've embraced, identified and embraced new opportunity to serve. That's awesome. And that's what I hope every church is able to do. Um, but I just don't see how those can kind of like correlate, how they can come together. 
I think it can kind of um, sit together in the way of if I was a pastor and trying to fill this out, I would, from my context here in the Dominican Republic, be thinking the adapting to like the technology side of things has been super difficult. I would say that our church did not adapt to technology. If that was the way to adapt during COVID time of of meeting together with church, we did not adapt. And you're saying our local church. Our local church, yeah, yeah our local church. So I can see as a pastor that I would put like, yeah, I, we didn't adapt like answering that, I but see. like finding new ways to serve. I know that there's lots of churches that are like, we were serving meals in our community and we've never done that before. I we uh, went and visited children with coloring sheets and we never did that before. And so I think it can kind of sit on that, you know, range of things. And I've seen that happen as well mm-hmm. in my local church. I've yeah. seen them involved in ministries that if we were meeting together in a building on Sundays and in our small groups, then they wouldn't have been active in those other service areas. So yeah, yeah that's it, good. Yeah. And I think I would have actually, I don't remember uh, filling this out. Uh, I am a pastor. I don't know why it never came to me. You're part but, of the 90% that didn't fill it right, out. Apparently, right? Um, but I think I would have answered yes on both of those. So for those who are listening, a majority of pastors agreed that their churches have struggled to adapt to the pandemic's restrictions. That's what AJ was referring to. But then just a few questions later, a large majority of pastors, almost 90% actually, yeah. agreed with the statement, this church has identified and embraced new opportunities for ministry since the pandemic. And so yeah. like, I think I would have actually answered yes to both of those. We have struggled and it has been hard yeah. at the same time. We have found new creative ways. So it's like, it hasn't been easy, but we've gotten there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I guess to me in my mind, like because you found new opportunities to serve, that is your adapting. Like you had to adapt in some way to be able to think of, or even act out, act on these new ideas of, of ministering to your community. And so that, that is how you've adapted. But I guess that makes sense. Like the wording of it, like you, if you've struggled to do that, if you're not, if you're not used to doing that, then yeah, it's definitely a struggle to do that. So that makes sense. That's right, AJ. And when I read um, that the pandemic has put the financial viability of your church at risk, I couldn't stop thinking about it has been a really challenging time for the church to be a good steward um, of its resources and even to think inside of the box and generate resources. And I couldn't stop thinking about Luke 16, the parable of the unfaithful steward, um, especially the part where Jesus highlights uh, that the steward used the opportunities in a moment of crisis. And how can we do the same but remaining faithful and loyal? So when I think about this, it, it comes to my mind. Um, this church in Western Panama, uh, they identify a land at the beginning of the pandemic and they started to plant seeds. Uh, so it's, it generates incomes for the church, but also food for the people in the community who had lost their, their jobs. And apart from from that, like the unity that the church experienced because everybody were joining that project. Hmm. So like it was like, it was an opportunity they took and they did something about that. Like, So you're saying in response to financial mm-hmm. difficulty, they developed something in a pandemic that they probably would not have done earlier. Exactly. And, and it ended up ministering to their church, but also to their community. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. That's, that's a very good example. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think that same statistic, it 
stood out to me, but uh, the part that you stopped short of reading on it, Natalie, that stood out to me was they literally identified that the Mesoamerica region, which is where we live and where we serve, that 90.7% of the respondents said that, yes, I agree that this pandemic has put financial viability of their church at risk. Mm -hmm. 90%. I don't know out of all the numbers, how many were Mesoamerica pastors or leaders, but the fact that nine out of 10 of them said that this is something that is serious and we are dealing with. Um, I think about it. Like when we look at what's happening in Central America with all of the immigration happening, the floods and the hurricanes on top of the pandemic. And it's just like, we are financially spent in Mesoamerica. There is not extra dollars. There's not extra pesos. There's not extra colones. There's not extra balboas. There's not extra of any of this stuff. And, um, it made me think when I read that, that we as a ministry have literally felt this impact in global missions ministry because people are saying, we don't know how to send missionaries right now. Like we can't finance the mission because we literally don't have the money to even finance our local church stuff that we're doing. And it's like, and it's really like, it, it gets my attention because on that same question for us, 90% of us would say we are not financially viable. That's a lot of churches. And then in USA, Canada, they were most likely to disagree with that. So like 46% of them were like, no, I don't agree with that. And I think, again, it goes to that global church mentality that where one nation or one region can be like, we are figuring this out. We'll get through it. Like, mm-hmm. look at the United States. They have a government that constantly is helping them with finances and, and sending money to their citizens. But how many of the nations in Mesoamerica have received $1 from their government to get through this? A few of mm-hmm. us. But they only lasted for about three months or four months. And when you're trying to create this church structure of ongoingness, it just it's it's concerning to me that that number was like, oh, Lord, like, what are you doing in Mesoamerica? Obviously, the church is not crumbling. And that's what like my mind wants to like go to sometimes it's like, is the church crumbling? No, Hmm. it's not crumbling. But a lot of us are saying we can't financially support what we were doing the same way anymore. And so like God is definitely shifting us in Mesoamerica and we need to be finding some new answers of of the way that we're doing things. Yeah. I think, I think that's a huge opportunity also for, for God to work in our churches when we no longer have resources. Mm -hmm. By that, I mean like when we don't have the means to provide for ourselves, we have nothing left but to rely on God. And I think that's one thing that the pandemic has shown me, um, but I think has the opportunity to, to, to show the rest of the global church that it's not all about the finances. Just because we don't have finances to pay for our building doesn't mean the church has to stop existing, right? Like we can find different ways. We can, we can literally plant a field of grain or whatever and, you know, make money off of that if we need to, or, or provide for the community in that way. And, We've said this before, Chelsea and I, that God has shown himself in huge ways in our finances. And so whenever I see something like this, like, yes, it is depressing when you realize you don't have any more money or that you're running out of money quickly. That's depressing and it's scary sometimes. But like I said before, it is a huge opportunity to see God at work. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of the times in our world that we live in today, money drives 
everything, right? And you can't, you feel like you can't do anything or go anywhere without money. And then for God to step in and say, yeah, I've got this, man. It's like, all right, now we really can do anything, you know? What you're saying, uh, the, the phrase that comes to my mind is cautiously optimistic. And I think in this survey, I don't know if you all would agree, but I felt like, Ooh, wow, there have been some difficult things and pastors are expressing that, but there was kind of a, a side of optimism, a side of, Hey, we're getting through this and even learning a new way to be church. Yeah. So the thing that jumped out to me was at the very end, it said, personally, the pandemic has given my ministry new significance and 90% of pastors, wow. 90% of pastors agreed with that statement. And so I think about like the lack of resources and the lack of being able to meet in person has pushed us maybe not to be creative, but it definitely has pushed our faith to rely on God more, which should have been our DNA at the beginning of the whole thing. But what if God is renewing us? What if God is redeeming us in the midst of things that we have let get in the way? And so, like, I think it's cool to see 90% of pastors say there is new significance in what it means to be a pastor of an evangelical church dealing out hope. Like, we're the ones that are in there saying, like, there is, God is at work. There is hope. And I just think that's really cool. I think that's what we need to talk about. Well, and 84% also said that their church will emerge stronger from the pandemic. Like mm. there have been times where we have all felt, Ugh, this is never going to end. And <laughs> this is so hard, but I think all of us also, and it sounds like many pastors and leaders around the world have said, but we're going to get through this and not just survive, but thrive. We're going to be better at the end of this. So again, cautiously optimistic for sure. Yeah, that same, uh, both of those statistics really, you know, stand out, especially when it comes on the heels of some of the discouraging stuff that you read about, you know, and um, I literally wrote in my notes when I was looking at it, I said, it's almost as if we can testify to what refining fire looks like. It's like we've preached that sermon so much and it's something that we know happens and we talk about the Hebrew children being thrown into the furnace, you know, and, and the God's in there with them. And and we have all of these stories of the way that God refines us through difficult times and through trial and tribulation. And we know that, but it's almost like we're coming through a year as a church of being like, we can all testify to it now. It's not just something that we are saying, hey, I read this in the Bible and I believe it, so I'm going to preach it. I feel like God is giving our pastors a testimony of like, hey, we have walked through this together and we are stronger because of it. Our faith is stronger because of it. We have terrible times that we can remember, but our main testimony is God is faithful. Like God is faithful. We are still here today because God is good and he is compassionate and he's filled with mercy and and like those things that we've been preaching for years and decades and centuries like became real in this past year you know it wasn't it wasn't just a nice sermon anymore I feel like a lot of our pastors are starting to say wow refining fire yeah difficult painful but totally worth it totally worth it I'm kind of interested Natalie uh, has this resonated with what you've seen in your local church and here in Dominican Republic um, have you seen the struggle, but also the hope that's emerging. Yeah, I've seen that. And also I've seen, I've noticed more unity, more times of prayer. This is something yeah. amazing and how we can join together those, um, like we, when we have the opportunity now to 
even apart, how can we like yeah. be together? Yeah. Um, also, like I've seen, um, um, like this is way beyond or consuming like the word of God, but living it. Like I've seen that and I've seen like, even though we have all this limit situation, how God is still working. I can't even talk about myself one year. <laughs> One year at home, and I've seen this huge change in mm. me. Like, mm. and I'm like, God, like that was in your plan. Like, yeah, it has been an awesome time. Also, like looking that positive way, like how God has have been using this time to show His church and so show His people, like He's still working and He's still. Amen. Mm -hmm. And we have grown. I mean, that's yeah, what I'm lot. hearing. The word, you didn't use that word, but just growth, you know, and, and I think that's important. I think one thing the survey does indicate is that through difficulty, we still are growing mm -hmm. through pain, through financial difficulty. We are still becoming more creative and that's exciting to me. I mean, I have to be honest. I started this, you know, this article or reading the report And I, I was like, oh no, it's true, man. We're all just really struggling, you know? And then I got to the end and I said, but we're getting through this and we're going to be better on the other side. That's exciting to me. I would also like to remind everyone playing the part of pessimistic Pete. Um, <laughs> It's not your name. <laughs> Played by AJ <laughs> That this was just like 10% of the people who could have responded, not even 10% of the pastors around the world. So like, that's a very small number. In my opinion, that's a very small number because we have, we don't have much data on Europe or Asia or Africa. I would love to hear how some of the creative access countries, how the churches in those places even thought about the pandemic. I mean, I'm sure they've thought about it. I'm sure it's, it's affected their lives at some, some stage, but Has it affected their church as much? Because in some of those countries, they don't get a budget. Like they don't come together in a church building and like they may collect tithes somehow. I don't know. I've never been to one of these congregations. So like, how do they do it? And has that affected how they, how they come together as the church? Has that affected how they represent Christ in their communities? Maybe not. You can't just easily say we're going to seamlessly go to Zoom when digital media is being monitored in, right, some, exactly. of the, in some of these places. So exactly. it's not as easy as just having the 20 people over to your apartment. Right. You know, and I'm really specifically thinking of certain countries I won't mention right now, but where that that is the church. The church is not it has no building in certain countries, yeah. you know, but it is just wherever the people of God happen to be meeting at that time. And yeah. so certainly when you cannot meet And when going online means being monitored or restricted, then yeah, it probably would have, would have come out differently on this survey. Yeah. And I understand like the survey is just to kind of give you like a snapshot, just an idea or a picture of how the Nazarene church as a whole is handling the pandemic. And it's good. It's good information. I like to look at stats. I don't like stats because I feel like a lot of them can be biased, <laughs> depending on whoever is showing. Yeah, <laughs> depending on whoever, whoever takes the stat. But it's a good, it's a good little snapshot here that we have, and you can't, you obviously can't go like door to door and interview everyone in the world, right? And so this was a good, I feel like it was a good snapshot. I think that's a good reminder, AJ. Thank you for saying that. This can help us to see how much of the world or how a lot of our people 
are coming through this pandemic. But for us to just say everyone thinks this way or all of the, those who responded, therefore everyone in the world thinks this way, I think that would be, you know, a problem. Uh, that would, that would be a risk. And so, Hey, I mean, we have dedicated, you know, an episode to this, but maybe you're out there and you're saying, I'd like to dive in a little, a little further. I'd like to know a little more. I totally don't see what you're talking about. Or some, some, some might say that's resonating with me. That's exactly where I'm living and where our church is right now. Emily, where can they get a hold of us? Where can they see these articles, et cetera? You can find us on Facebook at the Worthless Servants Podcast. Um, you can also find us on mesoamericagenesis.org. And uh, just as a follow-up to what Scott was just saying, like, really do some homework, dig down. What does this pandemic look like in other countries? Because sometimes we only put our own national lens on what the whole world is feeling. And I have talked with missionaries all over the world, and every country is doing this differently. And to hear other people's testimonies and stories helps us to have that greater worldview, uh, which is what this podcast is all about, that we would walk away uh, from any of these conversations and say there's a a better worldview here. And uh, yeah, dealing with these global things are important because we're a part of a global church. So knowing what our global brothers and sisters are experiencing is important to us as Nazarenes. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for diving in. I, I know some of us like stats a little bit more than others, but I think <laughs> this, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think this was super important and I'm really glad that our church did this. So I think that's where we'll end it for this episode. At least we are the worthless servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Chelsea Fry. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.